50 years of hip hop. 50 years of hip hop. Gangsters Paradise. Hey, I'm Babs Rose Ivy. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. It's Tuesday in the Elm. Two more days before I hit the island. You know Martha's Vineyard, my happy place. <laughs> How's everybody doing? So uh I got to get out of here so I could go buy me some tickets. I don't even know if I have any cash. Oh, need some lottery tickets. You know, Mega Millions is a billion, it's like a lot of money. I want it. <laughs> so I could do more of this. <laughs> you know, foolishness and mayhem. I want to do more of this. I hope everybody's feeling pretty good. I am. I had dinner last night at Ife's uh, new place. I am her first dinner guest. Excited. She's got a great little apartment uh, on the other side of town. It suits her. And uh, it's just her. So I'm so happy for her. So we got another place to hang out. <laughs> we got another place to have movie night and dinner. So I'm looking forward to it. It's nice. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. Oh, so can I, let me, let me just say a couple of things. One, I need people to stay out of the water because of these sharks. I don't know why people, and, and, and I wish these, I wish these, these people would stop saying a shark bite is rare. I, I don't feel like they're rare. <laughs> I guess if you say the amount of people who get in the water all over the world doesn't, it, it does, it's not getting bit by, everybody that gets in the water is not getting bit by sharks. But damn if these sharks are not coming closer and closer and closer. And now that the water is so warm, they're pushing them up north because they need a little bit of cooler water, right? They just had a shark bite in off the coast of New York. They hadn't had one in 20 years. And she's in like in, in critical care. And then I watched the, the, the friends. Uh, one got bit last week and the other one got in the water, got bit this week, last week, the week before. I was like, stay the hell out these waters, these shark infested waters. And now they're like flying drones over the water so you can see, so they can see these schools of sharks. I don't know. I tell you what, I'm not swimming in the ocean. I don't swim in the ocean no kind of way. So that's that part. I, I go as high as my damn knees. That's it. Uh, Cause I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not with swimming with the, with the fish. I don't, I do not, I'll get in your pool, but I'm, I don't want to get in the ocean like that. I know it's beautiful. It's all the things, whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm not trying to be shark dinner or lunch or brunch or an appetizer. I'm not trying to be, or snack. I'm not trying to be any of that. So I know it might be an irrational fear. It might, it might, it, it might be. Call, listen, I know what? Ain't no sharks coming up on the porch. I know that. So go ahead, swim all you like. Swim, swim, swim. Do all the things, but I'm not doing it. So I just stay out the damn oceans for a bit. Let these sharks, I mean, Global warming, I guess we don't like to say global warming, but it's global warming, climate change, whatever the hell it is, the earth is trying to get rid of us. How about that? How about if I say that? The earth is trying to get rid of us. And I don't blame it. <laughs> we've, we've not been good stewards to the earth. We just haven't. 
you know, across the board. We just haven't been good stewards of the earth. We can recycle all day, all night, but we're just not good stewards of the earth. Uh, and, and all this heat is telling us this. This this heat bubble is still with places, you know, 108 degrees, 110 degrees in places consistently. You know, oh, it's just terrible. We've been getting so much rain in Connecticut. We might as well be Seattle. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm just making observations. These are just simple observations. Just simple op observations. That's it. I, I'm no scientist or meteorologist or any of that. I just play one on the radio. So I'm just saying, we've not been good students of the earth. So therefore, the earth is kicking us out. You can say, you can call it whatever you want. You can say, I mean, listen, did you see all those glaciers melting in Alaska that they, are dumbfounded about and and uh the glaciers are melted so much that the scientists didn't believe they would ever see it in their lifetime. And now houses are falling into the into the water. And uh I, first of all, I think people build houses too damn close to the edge. I don't know what that's about, because you could be back some. And still taking the beauty of the water. You may have to walk a little further to the water, but but now your house is gone because you was right there on the edge. You know, that's, it was that's something to see, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you know, if you're next door and 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 you see a house fall, you better get the hell out of your space. There's a condo. It was a condo condo building next door to the house that fell. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm them, I'd have to get up out of there. I don't know. Maybe that's me. Or maybe they got them uh, uh maybe they got their uh maybe they got out and they're just waiting. I don't know how much I mean, is, is this like playing Russian roulette? You keep running in and get your stuff to see before it falls. You know what I mean? Like is it like Jenga? Like, <laughs> no shade. No shade to the tragedy, but I listen. I I I see these I see these houses built on these on these cliffs. And I'm thinking to myself, why? I would never want my house on the cliff. It's just I just wouldn't want it. I just wouldn't want it. no worries so i just yeah so that that's my one the, that's that's my second thing i wanted to say the first thing is get out the water because these sharks first of all it's it's the sharks water it's not our water we don't live in the water you know where we live on terra firma the sharks live in the water that's number one number two stop building these damn houses on the edge I don't care where you are in the world. Stop building these houses on cliffs. I just feel like, you know how cliffs are made? At some point, some piece of land had to break away to make the cliff. So you have to be thinking, at least I do, that it could happen again. I don't stand, I don't, maybe my brain is different than other people. I wouldn't want my house that close to the cliff at all. I wouldn't mind taking the walk to the 
you know, to the beach. I don't, I don't need to be on the beach. I want to be on the beach, but I don't want to be on the beach. Like when you go to Malibu, when you go to Malibu, those houses are on the beach. Or when you drive uh, uh, the scenic highway, uh, you see those houses in the cliffs. That wouldn't be my house. I, I don't care how gorgeous it looks. I would always be thinking something is going to make this fall. And I might be home watching a movie when it happens. I don't want that. I, so that's my, that's my number two thing. My number three thing, I, I just don't know why the world just doesn't go kick Russia's ass and make them stop trying to kill all these Ukrainians. <laughs> I, I just don't understand that. I, I, I guess there's some moral imperative about how you kill people. I guess. I mean, he doesn't seem to stop. And everybody, and I'm watching these people on the news talk about you know, the way he's bombing places, like he's bombing civilian places, you know, where rescuers are. And then he's doing this one too. I drop a bomb, then I drop another bomb in the same place. So I make sure I kill everybody. And and so these people on TV saying, well, you know, this is definitely a war crime. And I'm just like, okay, so do you bring the charges after he takes Ukraine or... I mean, when 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 does the world like gang buff, gang gang bang him? Um, when when does the world do that? When do they go over there like knock this ish off? I'm waiting for that. You know, send you send a little mercenary guy to back in there to send, make another threat. They're not gonna stop. You know what they? I know he was hoping that the world would just stop watching. But they're not. I feel this way about parts of Africa too. Like we're just watching stuff. And I don't know if it's because we don't have any real interest in places until our enemies have interest in places. Then when our enemies have interest in places, then we have to get down. Is that is that how is that how I'm understanding international affairs? Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. So we don't get involved unless our enemies get involved and then we see a purpose. Is that it? I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be an asshole here. I'm just trying to get a sense of uh how I should be thinking about this. Cuz it just seems to me there's more there's more allies than these cats and so why don't we just shut them down? I, I don't get it. Like, just say, stop it or else. And then we got to come through with the or else. I know that's not diplomacy, but I think we are, I think we are so far away from diplomacy. <laughs> I think we've been so, we've been away from diplomacy when we watch this, when we watch Putin march on Ukraine. I think we've been away from diplomacy since that point. And, and, and the fact that he's doing this and the world is like, all right, we're gonna just, we're gonna just keep talking. And I you're right to keep talking. We should keep talking because we're humans and we have the ability to communicate. You know, but while he's talking, he's lobbing bombs. So I, I don't know, I don't know how far the talks can get when people are lobbing bombs. You know, when it when the world is trying to broker peace, but 
the world's trying to broker peace, but he's the only one that don't want peace. I don't know. I, I think Russia is crazy. And, and here's the other, who's, who else I think is crazy? I wish China would leave these Taiwan people alone. They don't, they don't want to be on a communistic rule. They, they like democracy. They like it. And they've been thriving at it ever since. So you getting mad at them. So then, so then I'm listening to people talk about, well, push come to shove. They should just negotiate how they're going to be under China's rule while they enjoy their, their freedoms. Who is who are they talking to? China is never going to allow these people any grace or freedom. They're going to try to bend them to the rest of China. They're not going to let these people be free. They damn sure ain't going to let them be gay and and trans and all the things. And they're not going to let these people live the way they want to live and enjoy. They're not. I don't even I, I don't even understand how people could frame their mouth to say to them, well, negotiate some kind of way you could be under China's rule without giving up your freedoms. You know what that's called? War. <laughs> I declare war. Do you know what I mean? I maybe I don't know enough about these matters to talk about them intelligently, but I from where I stand. I, I like for me, China has so many other issues it needs to concern itself with. This is an ego grab right here because Taiwan is doing its thing. And, and the Chinese people the, the, in China the, itself feels like they're Chinese people. And the Taiwanese people are not saying they're not Chinese, but they're saying we're Taiwanese Chinese. <laughs> We don't want what y'all got over there. Simple. And they got an army. And they were like, listen, we are prepared. I ain't mad at them. Because freedom is worth fighting for. History bears this out. So I don't know why China keep bothering these people. Listen. China, go clean up the Yangtze River. Start, start there. Take care of your own people first on your on the mainland, whatever you want to call yourselves. Clean up your human rights problems. Be better to your people. You treat your people like trash, you know, and, and then you try to put some historical foolishness on top of this is how we always been, you know, because at some point, your oppression of your people is going to cause them to rise up. And every now and again, them young people rise up. And it will be young people rising up. And they're going to get tired. And you old dogs sitting over there under this, uh, you old dogs running stuff, you're not going to live forever. You are not going to live forever. And at some point, time and youth is going to catch up and they're going to fight back. I'm just saying. I don't got no dog in the communist fight. If that's the form of government, government, that's what it is. But I'm telling you, take a page from history. Y'all going to run out of time 
because young people, there's always going to be an influx of young people and they are getting brighter and smarter and they're going to want fight and they want freedom, particularly when they go visit other places and they're like, oh, y'all could do this. Oh, we should be able to do this. <laughs> y'all are doing what? Oh, we should be able to do this. And time and youth are going to intersect again because that's how you got communism. Time and youth are going to connect and 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 it's gonna change. It's gonna change. So you spending this time sweating the Taiwan folks. It's not a good use of your time or energy. It just isn't. And the fact that you're trying to colonize the rest of the world, you know, with those cheap ass products and all that stuff, you know, that you're trying to colonize the rest of the world because you got money. Because you sell all that cheap ass stuff, you know, all of it, um, you know, all of it cheap and 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 just cheap. Uh, 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 people will fight back against that too. You know, people will stop, countries will stop feeling desperate and say, you know what, taking their money is not in our best interest. Or we'll take their money. Well, we'll keep them at bay. I mean, I'm no international nothing, but I'm just, from where I sit and how I look at things, I'm thinking, man, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're already in parts of Africa uh, making cheap kente cloth and knockoff kente cloth and all this other mess. They're, they're in some of the Caribbean countries doing the same thing, you know, uh, and it's just it's just another form of colonization as far as I'm concerned, you know. So, so I'm just you know I'm just I just think about the world and 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 the way there's so much strife and so much going on and so much volatility or so everything's so volatile, you know. Uh, even here, you know, very volatile. So I'm just. I'm just, I'm just pondering these things, just pondering. That's my, that was my third thing. My, my fourth thing, which we, my fourth thing, which really should have really been my first thing, was the uh, boat fight in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in Montgomery, Alabama. That was, listen, if you've not seen the videos, and I don't know who you are, if you have not seen these videos, you must be under a rock of some sort, and the memes. Oh my God, the memes are chef's kiss. They are everything. They are, I even joined in. I joined in. So apparently, as I understand it, these white folks had a pontoon and they parked it where they shouldn't have parked it. Ain't you no know, white folks being white folks. They white folk, white folking, they white folking. Oh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in sense that I have to move my boat. Well, your boat is parked illegally and uh, I'm the security on the dock and I'm responsible for the ships coming in and out and the city ships are coming in. You have to move your boat. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to go to wherever I'm going. So they commenced, they leave or whatever. He moves their boat. They come running down and then they, you know, they have some heated discussion. Then they put their hands on my man. They put, put their hands on the man. 
he throws up the hat, which is code for, okay, it's about to be on. And he, the guy jumps on him and he defends himself. And then six more of these, these rednecks run up on him. These white citizens run up on him, men and women alike. And so brothers see this. Black people are watching from the, sh from the boat because the boat was coming in. One brother jumps off the boat. 16-year-old kid jumps off the boat, swims to shore to help. Other cats run down, run down the plank to help. They get to fighting. And then the boat finally docks. The folks on the boat get off. They jump in the fight. So the white people, they all sitting down with the police, hands behind their back, the whole nine. Uh, I'm sure some black folks got caught up in it too, because, you know, whatever. Uh, I saw the brother with the chair. He got taken to the ground because he was beating people's asses with the chair. That's why you see all the chair memes out there. Like, um, <laughs> lift, every, lift every chair and swing. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I never laughed so much than what I laughed yesterday at all these memes and the way that people, you just can't outdo black people. You just can't. You, you cannot beat us for style, culture, and wit. You just can't. You just can't. So, um, so there are people on the ground who are providing legal, legal support to all the people that got, all the black people that got caught up. Like they were about it. Uh, they were about it. They were like, whatever we got to raise money, we're doing it. It has just been. And I think um, there's so much history. So the name of that dock is Harriet. Uh, that was where slaves, enslaved people were brought to when they first reached those shores. Um, and auctions were held there. So it just, it just, I don't know, the ancestors was just covering just covering us for this. And I don't care if other people don't see it that way. I do not care. I've long since not been here for the white gaze. So I don't care if white people, my white, my white friends saw it for what it was and was like, it's about time. And it really was F around and find out, you know, moment. Because I think they just thought they could beat this black man and go on about their business. We'll show him. We are superior. This is what we do. That thought they, I think they thought they could just kick his ass and keep it moving. And we were like, no, 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 not this time. Not this time. So anyway, it was just, it just, it just, it, it just made us feel good that we just got into it. You know, I can't even begin to tell you the earrings, the the accessories, all the stuff. T-shirts are out there now. We're thinking about making this a day. I think next year they're gonna have a cookout over there. I mean, so so the white folks, it was a family. They own uh, a store in town, and 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 you know, you know, folks went to Yelp and gave them a one, like just pounded them. So they're gonna, some of them are gonna get on social media and like, oh, 
don't don't hurt our business, don't hurt our business. And I'm thinking to myself, the audacity, the nerve to say, don't hurt us. Don't hurt us. After God knows what it would have happened to that black man if there weren't cameras and other black people around to intervene. I mean, we 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 already know because that's the history of America. You know, they would have they felt righteous in their beatdown of this brother. They felt they felt like it was okay. And that's that's a level of white privilege that white people need to examine. They just need to examine that. That brother was on his job trying to do his job and they attacked him not one like a gang of them and then it got served back at them so so if you wanted to know why the chairs are ro roaming around social media why all the memes why all the references to aquamane why why, <laughs> why lift every chair and swing <laughs> Even Dr. Seuss got in in on it. Uh, uh, even even somebody made a cat in a hat uh, meme. Uh, it was hilarious. It's still it's still hilarious, you know. And people been people been um, showing up with folding chairs. And the folding chair, you know, was invented by a black man. I which I said yesterday, Mr. Alexander, uh, was invented by a black man. So you see all that history showing up. Uh, <laughs> so uh so we we are about that life uh, we are about that life so it's been uh so if you wanted to know what was happening uh that's what it was that's exactly what it was. And uh and it's probably gonna it's probably gonna uh you know go on and on and on and on and on and on on and on and on until uh it gets resolved. And you know, the mayor of Montgomery is black. And you know, and he was just like, justice will be done. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So, so anyway, I just wanted to share that because it was, it was a great day yesterday on the internet. It really was a good day on the internet. Say whatever you want. I don't care, but it was a good day. And people, uh, uh, people are stepped up to the place. Stephanie Mills said she would do a, a charity concert for the Riverfront Brawl heroes who may have legal fees. So go ahead, girl. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. I was like, all right. All right, cool. And then uh, let's see. Um and I'm sure other people will follow. 
other people will follow. And uh, I, I'm for sure going to get me some earrings. Some, and I've seen a couple of versions of uh, folding chair earrings. And you know, I got to have me a couple of pairs. Um, so we we go and people are out there. So we gonna make we gonna make it do what it do. It's uh we gonna make it do what it do, and uh, however way we can help, we gonna help. And and if somebody puts up a GoFundMe, people gonna uh. Um, people are gonna uh, pitch in. Here's some just just startling news, sad news. DJ Casper, you know, for the cha-cha slide, slide to the left, slide to the right. Cha-cha now, you know he uh he has died uh, following a battle with cancer. DJ. Casper, uh, the Chicago native and creator of the iconic uh, cha-cha slide, has passed away at the age of 58. I'm telling you, people, get your lives get get your lives right. Do the things. So he had a courageous after a courageous battle with cancer, and uh, that is that is tough. He's 58 years old. So the news was confirmed by his wife. He fought bravely to the end. So, golly, gosh, anyway, well, he has, he's left a lasting uh, uh, staple that this party, this song is played at parties, weddings, dance floors around the world. It was originally written as a step aerobic routine for DJ Casper's nephew, and the song quickly gained popularity and became a worldwide sensation. And its catchy beat and simple dance instructions made it accessible to everyone, regardless of their age or dance skills. And the song's success is a testament to DJ Casper's talent for creating music that brings people together and moving. Yes. So, so he has passed on. So now it's running cha-cha slides in the in the hereafter. He's <laughs> running cha-cha slides in the hereafter. It must be a good ass party when you get a good DJ. So, um, so yeah. So whenever you hear the cha-cha slide, think of DJ Casper. All right. Some sad news. Sad, sad news. So anyway, that's all I'm gonna say. Uh Let me see what else is going on. So you know at uh 1015, I've got um the uh, independent reviewers coming on. Um the New Haven Independent has launched a review crew and they're piloting this thing where they they have dispatches across the country, Tulsa, Oakland, New York, Hartford, maybe some other place. Um Anyway, they're going to come on today and uh, and talk about what this is, what the experiences are, how they feel about it, how's it going, you know, that kind of stuff. I've been uh, reading some of the uh, reviews. I've enjoyed them. 
I read one about uh, an event going on in New York that I, I want to go see. Uh, and I read about the brothers in Oakland with the party. Um, let's see. I just read something in Hartford. So oh, I'm, I'm going to have a good talk with them. So, oh, I'm on a New Haven independent site. Let me mention uh, a homeless activist found dead outside a soup kitchen. Oh, I don't even, how does that even happen? How do you, how do you die outside of a soup kitchen? How do you die? Well, how do you get on the ground and nobody notices you? Like what? I'm just trying to understand what happened. I guess I ought to read the article, but I, he's 36 years old. And he, he was found dead Monday morning outside the State Street Soup Kitchen, where he himself was a client, you know. And then there's another article where uh, a welfare check took a turn with a knife. So I guess a father called the police about his daughter and uh, the police go, they catch up with the woman. And uh, I guess they... They, she runs away from the police officers down Davenport Avenue. And then she turns around and plunges the knife in, into herself. I don't know if I could do that. I think the only way I could do it is if it was zombies after me and I didn't want to become a zombie. Ugh. So that's got to be very, very stressful on that police officer. Like uh, Tyler, Tyler Evans. Because you cannot see that. It's got to be very stressful. So I hope that he can go and sit and spend some time um, examining and picking apart this ordeal so that it doesn't. Um, and, and I hope he's required to do it, right? Because he can't get away with, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. No, you, you really have to go and unpack what you just witnessed and experienced. Because that that trauma will be in your body. It will absorb into you and you need to go and unpack that, you know? So I hope that they have mandated therapy for him. Like you got to go to therapy and it can't be for a day. You know, you got to have like a minimum of a month or some old thing, right? Like something like that. That's, that's how, that's the change I need to see. So I didn't read that article either. So maybe they make reference to it. I don't know. Maybe I'll know by tomorrow. I'll read it and get a chance to read it. But I just find that so it's daunting. You know, we are we are in these these interesting times. Well, these interesting interesting times, and there and I think all times are interesting. Oh, okay, let's see. Okay, Harry, what did you just put up here? I'm on top of my game. Thank you. We don't shut them down because the back room money is being made. You damn right. It is back room money. <laughs> yeah, just a matter of time. Putin will use nuke. But here's the thing about nukes, though. If you use nuke, it's not like you could use the nuke and it doesn't blow back on you. I, that's the part I don't get. When you use the nuke, it destroys everything. So, uh, oh, thanks. Thanks for listening in, all the people. <laughs> Thanks for the virtual hug. I'm on top of my game, Daniel. I appreciate that. And Brianna, you know, I just I just talk how I see it. 
I'm not, listen, I'm not the brightest bulb in the lamp, but I just know what I know. So I just try to think about these things in a, in a, in a everyday practical way. And I don't, I don't understand it. I just feel like if you're in a playground and there's a bully and everybody, there's one bully, one bully. It's, you see these movies, you know, Stand By Me, all these movies, one bully. And all the kids, and the bully's got some, you know, some henchmen, right? But they're not as tough as, they're not as badass as the bully or as seemingly as badass as the bully. And all the other kids is running from the bully. And I'm thinking, why don't all the other kids just whip their ass? <laughs> like, it's more y'all being afraid than there are bullies. Like, just go whoop the bully's ass and be done with it. Don't kill anybody. Just whoop their ass. That way, they won't be taking your lunch money. Like, everybody in the cafeteria knows that the bully is beating up people. But everybody's sitting there like, they can't do nothing. What you do? You band together. You band together. And boom. That's up. A horse of another color. I, I just never, I never get that. I never, I, I don't get it. I'm like, if I'm on a plane and there's a guy trying to hijack the plane, I'm gonna look at my, I'm like, listen, we could take this guy. Some of us gonna get hurt or killed, but we could beat his ass. He can't kill us all. <laughs> I know that's, that's fine for me to say, right? It's fine for me to say, but that that's exactly what those cats did on the, on the plane, you know, at 9-11. They was like, listen, we just gonna do this. We we're not gonna allow him to fly this this damn plane into a building or to the Pentagon or anything. If we're gonna lose our lives, we're just gonna lose them, but we we're gonna go down fighting. I think that's how you gotta I, that's how I I hope that I am that way in these kinds of moments, that I have that kind of courage. I was like, well, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die on my feet fighting. I'm I'm not gonna let you come and just I'm crying and you shoot me. No. I'm gonna die fighting. Like, all right, because if you shoot me, you better damn well kill me. Because if I get up, I'm coming harder. But that's how I'm made. That's how I'm made. And I know there's a lot of people made that way. So that's why I don't I don't understand this. Let Putin keep bombing these people. I, I don't get it. I was like, y'all have the means to just shut this down. Oh, and, and it can't just be because nukes. It just can't. Y'all got nukes too. <laughs> Probably in way better shape than Russia. You know, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. Maybe that's maybe that's because I'm not a diplomat and I don't understand. I don't know. I just feel like they could just, you know, listen. I'm not suggesting that they hire people to go in here and deal with him. I'm not suggesting that at all. But somebody hired somebody to go and stomp on Moscow. And it was his boy who he used to hire to go stomp on people. <laughs> Where that guy at? He ain't been seen. You know, the cat that was going to march on him with the with, with his own army of mercenaries. You know, the mercenaries that Putin normally hires to do the work that he don't do. Where's that guy? Because, you know, the Russians will poison you no matter where you are in the world. That's why I'm gonna try not to talk too much about them because I'll be sitting on my porch and a dart will hit me in my neck and nobody can explain how it got me. <laughs> I know I'm watching a lot of Bond movies. I know. <laughs> I know this is this is extreme talk, but but that's how it is. Remember, remember the little Russian guy that left? We found he was found on a park bench, him and his daughter on a park bench in Paris, dead. <laughs> From some some 
ridiculous poison that ain't nobody seen in like a gazillion years. Or the, the cat that they killed in New York, they poisoned him internally. His got on fire from the inside out. Like what? Like he, he on a something 30th floor somewhere and he's like on internally on fire. Like how did it get to him? Listen, they skilled at that stuff. That's why, you know, Harry and I joke about this all the time. The Russians will get you with some good poison. I, that's why I don't understand this whole bombing stuff with them. They like a good poison. You know, it's like a good poison. I, I don't know why they spend all this time and energy and collateral damage to do this when they can just, just poison their water. <laughs> what? It's cheaper. You know, if I mean, you want to kill a lot of people, you know. But I, I, I listen, the Ukrainians are fighting back and I don't blame them because they got a taste of freedom and they want it. Same with the Taiwanese. They got a taste of freedom and they want it. They want it. You know, they want it. And that's how, the, that's how these countries are trying to break away. That's how these countries broke away from, from being under, under the queen's rule. They wanted freedom. Jamaica is celebrating 60 years of independence. Say whatever you want, they are free. And they are trying to build a, an, a country of their own making. Now, colonialism is deep with them, you know, it's deep. How can it not be? They've been under British rule for a long, 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 long time. So it is a part of their culture. And, uh, and they made it work as part of their culture. But it wasn't, uh, but, their, but their will and desire and determination to be free uh, was also bigger than their desire to hold on to British rule. So they celebrated their 60 years of independence Sunday. Go Jamaica, you know. And, and you know, listen, Haiti was the first to do it. And they're still paying a heavy penalty for it. Heavy price. Heavy price. And Fran France exists because of Haiti. France exists because of Haiti. Paris exists because of Haiti. You know, and uh, don't get me started on world debt and what these countries, particularly on the continent of Africa, owe. Um, I, I don't know how they owe. I, I don't know how you come and colonize countries. You leave or run out, get run out. And then you think these people owe you. You know, they owe you for the damage that you've done to their country. They owe you for the rape pill, the, 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 for the rape, the pilfering, <laughs> the destruction, the carnage of what they've done as colonizers. You owe. And then don't get me started about how they changed the names of these countries you know, during colonial, during colonization times. And, and I, I, I would love to see countries go back to their original names and say, you know what, we're going back to what we was once called. And I know that's a whole undertaking, but you know, you can do it. I mean, they've done it. They've done it a lot of times on the continent of Africa. 
a lot of time. And uh, you know, uh, and and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I, I want to see people get free, and I want to see Africa, uh, the continent itself, because there are some countries that are thriving and doing well. I want all of Africa to thrive and do well. I want all of Africa to th thrive and do well. You know, I do. Because Africa is the only continent that has th three growing seasons uh, and it has riches. If you don't have Africa, you don't have cell phones and you don't have technology because you need the minerals that are born out of that country to, to make things go, you know. If you didn't have Africa, you don't have the De Beers family. And yeah, you could get diamonds somewhere else, but can you really though? Not not at not at the numbers that you was getting, or or the gold, or or any other precious gems, you know. So Africa is rich, and I've been watching on YouTube some of the the gatherings of African leadership talking about the future, and I'm wholly impressed. And I know they got a lot of challenges. They got a lot of challenges, you know. Um, they've got a lot of civil unrest in parts of Africa, you know, in the Sudan, in Somalia, you know, civil unrest, uh, back and forth, back and forth. But then there are some some countries that are that are thriving, Zambia, and 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 Rwanda, which overcame uh, all, all, all that colonizer foolishness um, that got them to destroy each other you know south africa is th is thriving and there's a lot ghana is is thriving places are thriving benin uh uh so you know i mean senegal is thriving they got some uncivil unrest you know a little bit of that so you know uh a little bit of that uh, and 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 everybody's keeping an eye out, you know. But you know, the world has to do better by Africa. It just does. It owes Africa so much, so much, so much. And until they are, until these these Western countries uh, and uh, all the other countries actually, until they are ready to reckon. Uh, with their history and their part and what they have done to that continent and, and they themselves are prepared to make reparations, then Africa is going to be on, on, on a, a, a tenuous because they continue to hold purse, purse strings and they continue to style dissent uh, amongst people. So I used to say, boy, Africa has been trouble for a long time. And it has, but there's something else too. Like there's a will of people. There's a will of people to want to live free. That's at the at the root of humanity, the, the ability and the right and the desire to live free. That is the heart of all of us. I don't care if you're in communist, whatever, or you're under some dictator or whatever. Whatever it is, there is a longing for each of us to live free and, and to go about our business and to build lives, uncompl un, uncomplicated lives 
and and un and, and lives that are free from harm and and all of that. I'm just we we could we could be better in the world. That's my whole point. We could be better, and we're not. <laughs> we're not. And so, and back to my original point from nine o'clock, we're not better in the world. And the world is saying, y'all humans are not good for this planet. <laughs> from the beginning of time, y'all humans are not good for this planet. And I got to, and Mother Earth is like, I got to get y'all off by any means necessary. <laughs> and then and then we can start again. We we could we could we could we could a new species of people can evolve, maybe much more peaceful and and community focused. Maybe maybe that's what Mother Earth has in mind. You know, maybe. Because God knows we are destroying this planet fast, fast, fast. And please don't tell me we're not because we are <laughs> We, we look at our oceans, look at our air, look at our soil. <laughs> like, like we all got someplace to go if this falls through. Nope, we don't. So anyway, I'm about to jump off. I'm going to be back at 1015 with the uh, independent reviewers uh, who are going to come and talk to me about uh, this grand new project that the New Haven Independent and Online Journalism Project has launched um, to bring us critical, critical review of art things, everything artistic, all kinds of artistic exploration in different parts of the country so that we could be connected. Uh, that seems to be missing in the world. And so we're gonna come and talk about it. So tune back in at 1015 and I'll see you then. My brother's doing fast on my mother's TV. Says she watches too much, it's just not healthy. All my children in the daytime, Dallas at night. Can't even see the game or the Sugar Ray fight. The bill collectors, they ring my phone and scare my wife when I'm not home. Got a bum education, double digit inflation. Can't take the train to the job, there's a strike at the station. A new on King Kong standing on my back, can't stop to turn around. Broke my sacroiliac, a mid range migraine, cancer membrane. Sometimes I think I'm going insane, I swear I might hijack a plane. Don't push me, call, I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Sometimes it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jumble sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. A child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you'll go through. You'll grow in the ghetto, living second rate, and your eyes will sing a song of defeat. Hate the places you play and where you stay looks like one great big alleyway. You'll admire all the number book takers, thugs, pimps, and pushers, and the big money makers. Dropping big cars, spending twenties and tens, and you want to grow up to be just like them. <laughs> Smugglers, scramblers, burglars, gamblers, pickpocket peddlers, even panhandlers. You say, I'm cool, I'm no fool, but then you wind up dropping out of high school. Now you're unemployed, all non-void, walking around like your pretty boy Floyd. Turn stick up, kid, but look what you done did. Got sent up for an eight-year bid. Now your manhood is took, and you're a make tag. Spend the next two years as an undercover fag.
yourself. But now your eyes sing the sad, sad song. I how you live so fast and die so young. So don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. As we Thank you. 
face the truth and level with each other. It's time for us to face the fact that every brother ain't a brother. There are some who say to the world at large, I'm no color, I'm just a man. And there are some who say to the folks of town that black power is not their plan. But through it all, we kid ourselves and fool one another by failing to see the simple fact that every brother ain't a brother. I mean, a brother wants his people to have the things they need to survive. And a brother doesn't destroy his brother. He fights to keep him alive. A brother doesn't live off other brothers. He makes it on his own. And a brother wouldn't refuse a brother if the other really needed a loan. But you think about what brotherhood means, and then let's level with each other. I mean, the truth is the light, but it's a dark fact that every brother ain't a brother. Is the cat a brother who shoots a brother and thinks that makes him bad? Is the cat a brother who says he's black because it's now the bad? We're at the point in the world today for self-evaluation just to find out where we really are in this racially torn up nation. And you know, one of the first things that we must do is to stop killing one another and get on the case of realizing that every brother ain't a brother. Though I said that every brother ain't a brother, and I know you know that's true. But look in the mirror carefully, because that brother could be you. Every brother ain't a brother. Every sister ain't a sister. Everything black just ain't black. And baby, that's bad. Target. 
morning and welcome back to the second hour of love babs love talk i'm babs rose ivy as promised the independent reviewers are in the house how y'all doing so i see uh alicia adam lisa and jamil how are y'all everybody unmute themselves so we can have a good conversation and everybody tell me where y'all at where you at hey babs i'm in tulsa oklahoma I hear, good, I hear good things about Tulsa. Paul is yes. very smitten with Tulsa. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he got to be out here for a little bit last month, and it was so great to have him around and just introduce Tulsa to him and have the opportunity to, to, have, to have him experience all the cool stuff going on here. 
Good, good. Adam, where you at? Howdy. Good morning. So good to be here. I am in Harlem, New York City. Excited for the show. And Jamil? Good morning, Bab. Thanks for having me on today. Um, I'm in Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, you're just down the road. Hey, Lisa Gray, (laughs) unmute yourself. So Lisa Gray is in Oakland, but I believe you're in Connecticut right now. Uh, I'm in New Haven. Well, Ansonia, but New Haven. Okay. All right. So, so tell me how did y'all come together and and why did you say yes to this project? Because this project is about, uh, I guess, inventorying artistic expression in however way it shows up and then critiquing it or going to something and you giving your opinion about it or a review about it or how you feel about it. Tell me what, what does this mean to you? Like, what do you understand this to, to be? I guess okay. I can I can start. Um, so for me, it was a real opportunity to um, flex some creative muscle I haven't used in a very, very long time. Uh, writing reviews is really hard and it's really worked a part of your brain that I hadn't used in a very long time. I usually write opinion pieces and that type of journalism. So having the opportunity to really try to put thoughts into words about art is is a real satisfying challenge for me and also the opportunity to get paid to do it is is a real real major aspect of this project i remember i told a friend that i was part of the project he said you're getting paid to write reviews in 2023 and (laughs) it's like such a a, um a rare opportunity to have that to, to be able to do that to get paid to write reviews now as you know, newspapers and journalism has just been decimated in general. And and so both of those things really made me want to, excited to be a part of this, of, of um, this project. Mm. So, I want more opinions on this. Alicia, Adam, Lisa, how, what's your take on this? I can go. I also have a similar thought about like being like an awesome opportunity to just go sort of go find art in and around the city that I'm in, give takes on it also like showcased all of like the wonderful art making that's going on around me um i've been doing a lot of theater reviews recently and i I have a theatrical production background it's like to have this opportunity to go and like flex that different muscle like talk about theater and like just showcase some of the amazing work that's going on it's just like really exciting to me and really fun i was gonna ask if you all had artistic background right you know or were you just like me uh, art adjacent like i love to be in the mix of artists but i'm no artist so, uh, Lisa, Alicia? Um, yeah, I do have an arts background. Um, I actually have a Master of Fine Arts. I've, um, and I've been um, a dancer. I've um, played instruments um, throughout my life. Um, I've been a writer throughout my life, and I consider that to be not just arts adjacent, but the arts. Um, I have a Master's of Fine Arts in creative writing. I am a writer as well, but on the creative side, mostly creative writing. Um, so the arts are near and dear to my heart. I grew up um, in arts programs here in New Haven, in public schools and in other places. Um, went to Gloria Jean School of Dance as a kid and danced for like up until I was about 25, 26 years old in various places. So, and and I go to like, I, the theater is like the love of my life. So yes, arts are like, 
are my thing. Like I'm, I love being here in New Haven because I'm so close to New York and I get to do Broadway. Um, and, and so to write about these kinds of things, write about the things that I love to go to art exhibitions, to go to plays, movies, um, the piece that I, the first piece that I wrote, which was, um, a black man talk back that was fabulous is, is I think something that's been sorely missing from journalism that folks are craving and, and really want. I, as I talk to folks who are reading these articles around the country, um, they're, they're excited to, to see that this is coming back. So yes, I do have an arts background and, and it, it, it has, it definitely helps me in doing this particular work in terms of the review crew. Mm, mm-hmm. Alicia? Yes, I have an arts background too. I'm also a dancer. Uh, cheers to that. Um, and, a, you know, choreographer and director. Um, you know, I have had a dance company here in Tulsa in the past. Um, and I've always been a writer. Um, I've done some visual art. I've um, I've done tons of collaborations here in Tulsa with artists and and uh, composers um, trying experimental things around here, um, which has which has been an awesome experience to get to 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 come across the boundaries here in Tulsa. Um, and you know, I grew up here, um, and I. <laughs> heavily involved in trying to become a, a you know professional dancer in my in my teen years uh and you know Tulsa has always had a lot happening in in the arts but not as much as a place like New York or Chicago or San Francisco or someplace like that so growing up like I would go to the library and pick up magazines published in New York and read all the all the reviews of stuff that was happening elsewhere in the country that was not coming here. You know, stuff didn't come to Tulsa in those days. Um, and the experience of that kind of education, in a way, as a young person, taught me so much about how to experience art how to talk about art, how to be informed, how to um, how to get the right tone when 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 you know talking about your experience in the theater or 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 things like that. And and it was just a, a, a tremendous education and and I've always um, uh, like I can remember in my diary in high school, I wrote a review of a performance of the Nutcracker just <laughs> off the cuff when I came <laughs> home from the show. I just had I had thoughts about the performance. <laughs> so I've really been writing reviews since I was a teenager, technically. Um, but yes, I'm heavily involved in the arts here. I mostly do you know, previews and features on artists because that's what magazines are interested in publishing. Right. Okay. The, the, the you know, they're not typically so keen on, on having reviews in their pages in part because the piece is already over. The show has closed for the most part. And so there's not an opportunity to get people in there. Um, and I love to write people 
you know, previews and features, but there's something about a review that just is my favorite. Um, so when you all write reviews, yeah. when you all write reviews, just as she said, you run the risk of a show closing before the review gets out. I mean, how do you, do you circumvent that? Do you try, do you try to go see something at the very beginning of it? Or like, how does that work? How do you time that so that um, the review is timely and not an afterthought? Hmm. I, I, I've been, I've been trying to go to one, to things that I know have, are going to have a run of, of a couple of, of shows or, or events or activities before I even go to review it. Um, and, and I, and if, and I try to go within the first day or two of the event or the activity, um, so that that gives folks who are going to read what I write a chance to actually, um, attend and see it. But I'm also like, I've, there've been a couple of things that I haven't written about, but I've considered writing about that are one shot deals that are happening like one time. And I think that's still valuable because it's an opportunity for one, the reader to have some insight into some understanding into an event or an exhibition or something that's going on in their town that they didn't have access to. So this gives them an opportunity to actually be there without being there. And I, I think like the that. other thing is that as we look at the fact that there has been such a lack of local in-person art and culture reviews, that it's it's a win for the artist and for the producer as well. Because even though they may not have a, 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 another show coming up, it's a chance for them to get their name out there. It's a chance for them to be seen, whether it's a good review or a bad review. As they say in, in journalism or in publicity, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So just to have someone come to your to your event, to your show and, and put it out there for you is, is I think, a win for for both the reader and the writer and mm. the reader, the writer and the artist. Mm. So we, now, you know, we we have come to understand and realize um, during the pandemic how important art is to us. Like we all were logging into Yo-Yo Ma and 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 productions like. Dan I mean, I saw dancing productions. I mean, people were really desperate to connect. And I I think that uh, arts at that time is what saved us. So now we're we're a little bit, I mean, we're still in a pandemic, but we're we're sliding out of out of the, the thick of it. And and arts is is uh center centering voices um that were never really centered before. How do you all um, pick and choose the stuff that you go to. How do you uh, say, I'm going to go to this because it's Black, or I'm going to go to this because it's Latino, I'm going to go to this because it's Asian? Like, how do you how do you center yourself in all the things that's going on? Because I think we're having a really explosion of all kinds of art right now. I think, I could be wrong, depending on where you all are. Are you seeing that explosion? Because I'm seeing it here. Uh, and I just wonder, how do y'all pick and choose the things that you find of interest to go and review? I think for me, um, I usually, um, I take a lot of recommendations from friends first and foremost, because that's usually, I try to, I try to get outside of the things I normally do when I'm reviewing um, these pieces and I try to approach it um, kind of like well kind of how I, I approach art almost completely out of context all the time right 
I'll just see something that's like, oh, I just want to go and see what that's like and just go with like no information about it whatsoever. So that's how I usually consume art. I just go drop drop and see a movie, drop and see a exhibit or whatever the case may be without having really done any research about it. So I kind of want to review in the same kind of way. So I try to get recommendations from people about things that I'm not totally familiar with and say, oh, okay, so this is happening at this time in this place and then just kind of go. And it's been it's actually been very interesting because it's gotten that diversity of of um of experiences without me having to actively search for it by asking different people for things so i've been to like an open mic that featured rock music i've been to a jazz um jazz in in, in the park i've been to an exhibit about frederick Douglass. i've been to um you know steel drum performances so there's been a bunch of different things that are things that I might not necessarily have thought to review, but thanks to my network, they've shown me different things and have been able to provide that diverse experience that I might not be able to do myself because I've been so focused on what I do, you know? Hmm. Anyone else want to chime in on that? I think a lot of it also similarly comes from my networks. Like I said, I like I work in the theater, but also now I'm like out here writing about theater. So I'm always seeing just like people are always like posting about their shows, like what they have going on or like what companies they're working with. And so there's always this shuffle too of like different companies are putting up different people's shows or different people are going to different companies. And even going back to your other question about like how are we finding the value in these reviews, even if the production is closed? One of my favorite parts of this project is like us having the opportunity at the end of every review to be like, oh, here's what's up next for the venue. Here's what's up next for the director. Like, here's what we're going to next. Always be like, we may have, like, you may not be able to see this specific thing I reviewed, but the people who are producing this work or the people who are making this work, they're still working. They're still putting art out into the world. You can continue to go see them. Hmm. So now because of this project, are y'all connecting with other, Wait, first of all, do y'all know each other? Do y'all personally know each other? No, so no. y'all are just a, an assembly, a, like y'all are assembled like the Justice League, like called from, <laughs> called from all parts right. of the country yeah. to come together to to fight democracy <laughs> and critical writing and review. Uh, okay, so you don't know each other. Um, and uh, artistic review is, uh, is a lost art and y'all are reviving it. And from what I understand, uh, the idea is to create a network across the country of folks who uh, do this kind of work. Um, and how does that feel? What, what do you think about that? It feels so good to me because uh, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but it can be kind of lonely out there as a person who's like secretly loves writing reviews. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> not a lot of opportunity out there. So, you know, to, to get to be in a room with other people who feel similarly about the importance of this kind of writing is like the best. It's just, it's so exciting. It's so affirming. And uh, I look forward to learning from you all, you know, as, uh, as we go along, it's, it's, it's wonderful because, you know, in Tulsa, we have uh, like one paper at this point and there's an arts critic there who's been there for like 30 years and this dude is a legend and he has been putting in the time lonely work you know trying to keep it alive and you know there's a couple other of us in town who who've who've been trying um 
but to, to have the opportunity to expand out across the nation like this just feels really, really exciting. Mm, mm, mm. All right, so talk to me about, oh, go, Lisa, you're muted. Unmute yourself. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was muted. Um, I feel like, you know, this is this is a revival because this is a lost art. As Alicia just said, you know, there's one guy in Tulsa who's been doing this work for years. And there's a, there's a level of gatekeeping that exists in, in the art and culture review, right? There are certain people who get to do this work. And to, to look at the faces here today and see such diversity is heartening to me because that means that the gates are opening. That, mm-hmm. that as this revival, this renaissance is occurring, that there's, there's some intention and mindfulness around allowing voices that have not always had the opportunity to be heard in terms of the art and culture that exist within their communities and to talk about those things. I think that this, is one, this project is one that um, allows for a diversity of voices to be heard, for a diversity of artistic works to be unearthed and to, to, to see some light. And, and that's a wonderful thing in this particular time. And as you said, Babs, you know, with the pandemic, we did see a resurgence of um, artistic effort and artistic output that was available widely on the internet and in other places, even though we couldn't gather together. And so now that we're able to gather together again, to be able to do this in terms of live work, live performances, I think it's pretty huge because it is art that saves a culture and a community. It is art that documents a culture and a community. And it is art that allows us to come together and share what makes us human and what makes us unique as folks who can create art. Um, So to be able to have this network of folks, I think is amazing. I like it. I, I think so, even like hopping off of what, oh, you, are you okay? No, go ahead, Adam. Absolutely. Hopping off of what Lisa said, like about the importance of like these gates being open, like this gatekeeping, like becoming less powerful. Like even though I'm reviewing in New York City in a place where I would say like arts reviewing probably isn't quite dead here the way compared to other places. I remember a couple of years ago, someone posted on Twitter, like they took like the staff writers of every major publication who was like doing like arts and culture reviewing and just like put all of their faces onto a single image. And it was a very stark picture of like, oh, this is what arts and culture reviewing looks like right now. And it looked very homogenous, looked about what you would expect. So like the idea that like, oh, other perspectives are able to come in and like get into this work is very exciting to me and just like very fun, even though it's also very intimidating because for me in New York City, how do I cover a whole city? I'm just one person, but you know, we're doing our best out here. <laughs> Jamil and Hartford. I think that um it's it's about like <clears throat> the arts review scene here. I haven't seen a lot of it in general, honestly. And but that's from the official places and the unofficial places and the blogs and, and Twitter and spaces like that, you know, Facebook. People review things all the time, you know, and I think that that's kind of what the um, what my job is as a writer is to do is not to um, do reviews because I'm the source or the authority on them or anything like that. Right. I know I'm doing my best here, too. 
but just kind of like to establish myself as someone you can trust and someone who you believe when I say something about this thing, right? Because I think that's what makes the reviews, um, that makes the reviews worth reading is that the person is being honest about what they saw, you know? Like, I try very, very intentionally not to be negative in my reviews. I, you know, like, I don't want to write a bad review and I'm not going to write a I, bad I was going to, that was my next question, Jamila. Like, how do you, uh, how do you balance your feelings based on what you see, based on how it makes you feel, based on if you like it or you hate it? Because I saw a slave play last fall. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> Hands down, the worst thing I've ever seen. But- but but I had a conversation with Jacob Prodone, who is uh, the artistic director of Long Wharf Theater, and he gave me um, uh, another way in which to think about this play. And I still hated it, but I loved <laughs> the way that he framed it out for me so that I could at least examine what he was trying to say to me, even though I still hated that play. I, I think I think for me the way I approach it is I don't go into the review process thinking about whether I like it or don't. Okay. I go into the review process thinking about what does this make me think about, and I write about what it made me yeah. think about. And so, you know, whether I liked it is completely irrelevant to that process because I just don't I don't want to be in the habit of criticizing. You know a lot of hard work, you know, like it's, it's really, really hard to be creative. And just because I don't like it doesn't mean that I should discourage other people from going to see it because it's just my opinion as well. I just say, this made me think about things this way. If you want to think about something similar, you know, check this thing out. And if not, you know, cool. But I always, wonder, I always wonder how reviewers, cause you know, there are no, there are notorious reviewers out there who have trashed stuff, right. like just, scorched earth it and and then here you are saying that's that's not how you come to this you come to this with thinking about it and sharing what you think about it is is that how I heard it right yes I mean if you read my stuff from when I was 20 I was like yeah I scorched everything because it was just like you know <laughs> I got things to say burr 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 just bang my head on the keyboard but you know now that I'm a little bit older I you know and I've tried and failed several times to be creative myself you know you see that this is a lot of hard work. You know, what way can I engage in this without, what way can I honestly engage with this material without taking shots at someone who worked hard, even if I didn't like it, you know? So I try to, I try to approach it that way. Mm, mm. Any yeah, other I think thoughts I would, on that? Yeah, I think, I think I would agree with that, that it's like, I was taught early on that it's easy to be contemptuous in writing. It's easy to be like, to have that like tone of like, a little bit sarcastic, a little bit snarky, you know, that's, that's the easy way. Uh, but mm. it's not the productive way. It's not a way that actually helps a reader to engage with the piece. What does help with that is, um, is, is, is taking the time to examine it from the perspective of what is this trying to do? this piece trying to do is it successful in the effort within the context of the budget that they had to work with and the amount of time they had to prep it and the background of the artist and is it successful um and that's a thing that you can examine and 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 pull forward 
without the tone of like, well, they obviously just didn't get it. <laughs> they, they didn't get there. Um, uh, yeah. And I think, I think it's, I think it's highly productive to, to include, include those perspectives in a review of like what worked and what didn't work. Um, and you, you know, all, all of that takes a really careful approach, um, especially when covering, uh, uh, you, 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 you know, people in your own community. Um, mm -hmm. It it takes an approach that that comes from a place of like, I'm so glad you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Let's have a look at it, um, and and let's like take it really seriously, actually. Um, that's, that's an approach that I often take. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think one of my goals is to, is, is for the reader to create an experience for the reader on the page so that the reader is transported into the event or the space that I'm, that, that I'm experiencing at yeah. that time. And then to engage critically with the work. It, it's really about critical engagement um, for me anyway. And, and for me, what that means is to be able to, to articulate how did this make me feel? What did this make me think about? Why might this be important in the larger context of what's going on in the world today? Um, and, and that, for me, that, that doesn't necessarily entail. And I think it's about tone and intention, as, as several others have just said, right? So for me, that doesn't necessarily entail talking about my, whether I like it or dislike it, it's about whether or not the artist achieved the intention of, of what they were trying to do when they set out to do this. Um, and, and that for me is where the critical engagement comes in. But I really want people to like, feel like they're in the room. Like when I wrote about the house party set, I wanted you to I feel felt like, like you I was there the with me on the dance floor. <laughs> I, I felt right? like I wanted to fly to Oakland and be right there. I'm not kidding you. I was like, oh, well, then I did my job. Yeah, good. <laughs> that's where I want to be. Same, same with uh, Adam's uh, piece that you did in uh, that for a show that's closing in on the oh, 20th. Yeah, I was like, yeah absolutely. And, oh, yeah, and then the, the, and then the Frederick the Douglass ball. piece, I got to get to see. So now I'm feeling like I've got to like get to all the things. <laughs> like that's exactly my goal when I review. Like when I'm like trying to write about a piece of art, like if there's any way possible for me to like translate what I felt in that room onto the page of what I'm writing for the person to read. That's amazing. That's ideal. I think another thing is just like, what can I convince someone who's based in New Haven to take the Metro North to come and see? That's another big part of like, I think my review process. Oh, you process got me. Uh, that's how I thought. Exactly. I was like, that's you know I what? I'm trying Let to me get calculate you to this. Metro North. I can get there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask y'all, do, do you ever feel like you could go back and see something again and have a different opinion? Or do you ever want to go back and see something again? Or maybe somebody else or somewhere, you get to see it somewhere else, the production. And you're like, you know what? I'd like to take another stab at that. Like, is there a chance that you get to see something twice, no matter where it is and, and review it again? Does that, is that appealing? Is that, is that possible? Is that interesting? It's super appealing for me. Like in the time when I lived in New York, uh, I used to go multiple times to a given show. Uh, because every night is different. Even if the right. cast is the same, everything is the same, but every night is different because they are performing in the moment on that day 
with a different morning that they had that morning, you know, with a new <laughs> feeling for the audience, the audience is different every time. Um, so I think that's a super wonderful thing to do, not just as an audience member, but as a reviewer, um, mm -hmm. because it helps me to refine what I'm looking at and how I'm engaging with it. What was the difference between Tuesday night show and Thursday night show? And how can I, in my prose, really specifically articulate that? Um, I, yeah, I love going to things more than once. <laughs> it's like watching a movie over and over again. Mm -hmm. You always catch something different, mm -hmm. right? There's always going to be something new that piques your interest that, that you didn't notice the first time. So I think that's a part of it as well. Hmm. Something that I think like I've heard said before, like around like spoiler culture and like good stories, is that like a good story is a good story, even when you know what's going to happen. So like having the opportunity to go and like test that out on something you're reviewing definitely sounds like a cool, appealing thing to me. I like that. Jamel, anything uh, you want to add? I think that um, it's actually never occurred to me to go to a show a second time. And... <laughs> It's, it's interesting hearing these perspectives because yes, yeah, it's, it's never occurred to me. And it's funny because it's it's interesting listening to other writers talk because it's actually never occurred to me when I'm writing a review, whether people are actually gonna see the thing based on my review or not. Like it's 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 just interesting because I've always thought about like the art as like the experience in the moment, and then that moment is you know, packaged and done and you move on to the next one. But it's actually a really fascinating idea to go and compare how different shows are on different days or even how um, a, uh, an exhibit hits you on a different day based on your own morning and your own thing. So that's definitely something I'm going to steal from you, Alicia, and, and, and try and try out <laughs> very soon. All right. So we got a few minutes before we have to uh, we have to uh, close up. But give me some some idea of what kind of review you you want people to know you to be. Like when I pick up a Lisa Gray review, what what do you want me to expect? And and what kind of are you building trust with me? Should I should I want to read you again and again? Like what 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 do you want people to uh, know when they see your name on a review? I want them to know that as a reviewer, I'm going to be fair, and it's going to be fun to pick up, uh, you know, to, to, to log in and read one of my reviews is gonna transport you to a time, space and place. You're gonna have fun reading it and I'm gonna be fair in my review of it. I'm gonna give you um, a, a, a good perspective on what, the, what was happening in the moment, but also like, why was this piece important? Why did this thing resonate with me? And why might it resonate with you? Even if it's like something that's, that's because I, I think one of the things that I really want people to do is folks who wouldn't typically go to something, I want them to go. So I want to entice other people to experience things that are like cross-culturally. Um, and, so, and so I think that's what I want people to expect. I want them to know that when they're going to see a diversity of events that I'm attending, that my review is going to be fair and that it's going to be fun for them to read. Mm. Anybody else? I guess I would say um, that you're you're going to get what I really thought on the page. And, you know, it's 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 about the interaction between 
me, the artwork, and the page, and that I'm giving, you know, I'm I'm putting it there and like whatever I thought, like genuinely here it is. And now you can make your judgment of both the product, but also my view of the product too. So I think that that's a big part of the review as well as submitting yourself a review too. So it's like, here's what I thought about this thing, not here's what this thing is. And so I want readers to know that that's what they're going to get when they read what I, what I write. Mm. Mm. So my first time writing reviews ever like is for this project. So I am definitely still like in the early stages of trying to figure out exactly what type of reviewer. I want to be, but I think one thing that's really important to me is that like as somebody who comes from a like design and production background, like I want my reviews to really be highlighting that type of work. And even like in a nerdy way, like in my half god of rainfall review, I talk about how this is the most impressive use of theatrical fog I've ever seen. I can give that take because I have used theatrical fog over and over, nowhere near as impressively as the people on this show. And so I think like like that type of like my background informing my reviews and I think like that's sort of what makes me like unique and special in this space of like yeah I've been doing like some of this design and tech stuff before so I can give like honest opinions about like oh this was impressive or oh I've seen this before oh I love that now I'm gonna be looking at fog now like every time I <laughs> Please look at the now fog I'm be, now I'll be looking at technical stuff like was so fog good. really that good like so Alicia yeah, I, I think for me, it's important uh, to have readers um, get the impression that I was genuinely paying attention in the room, that I was profoundly present in the moment with all, all the levels were present. Emotionally, I was present. Intellectually, cultural context of the event that's happening is also in the room. Um, and that I'm also I'm also paying attention to the details of the piece that was presented because it matters. All those things really matter. And it's important to me as a reviewer to to pull those all together for a reader and and you know invite people to go to an exhibition or to a concert with that kind of mindset, that kind of imagination, and that kind of appreciation for um, how this event could be changing the conversation in the culture. Um, how, how, how a small, you know, call on the part of a performer can make all the difference in how an evening unfolds. Um, just, just to, uh, just to, just to, uh, you know, to, to, to engage them as much as possible with the experience in the moment and also as it exists, you know, in a broader context. Thank and you. Also, I, I want to have oh. fun too on the page. Oh, Lisa, it's important, <laughs> important to me to have fun on the page. Listen, Gosh. I, I'm going to make it my business to make my way to all these spaces so I can hang out and go to something with y'all. I'm putting it out there. Paul Bass, we're going to make this happen. Jeez. I'm going to go to Tulsa. I'm going to, I'm, I'm always in Harlem and I'm going to come to Oakland because I haven't been to Oakland in a long time. They got oh, a lot come of, on, come on. Oakland, I was like, Oakland is fabulous right now. I Oakland know, is like vibrant. I mean, you hear a lot about crime and stuff in Oakland, right? Right now but you don't hear about 
the beauty of Oakland, the the and arts are like live and popping in Oakland right I now. Know, it, it's, so it's 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 just... been a joy to be able to actually talk about the the vibrancy of the Oakland art space right now. I have a good friend who just left San Francisco and, and bought a new space in Oakland. He's a filmmaker, and uh, I, and Oakland's got some vegan restaurants that I want to try. And and I can oh, yeah. always tune up. I can always jump up to Hartford. I've been right, excited. Right. We're right so here. I'm, I'm going to make my way to everywhere and see y'all and hang out and go see some. Thank yeah. you, independent reviewers. I hope y'all come back because this was a good conversation. And, uh, and I'm enjoying yeah. reading all the things. Like, I'm ex- like I'm going to go see the Frederick Douglass thing. I'm, I'm going to try to get to try my best to get to New York to see. <laughs> I want to see that. So. The fog. Catch that fog. That world-class Fog. Thank you all Look, so much for your time this morning. In Oakland, we call the fog, fo- we call the fog Carl. Carl. <laughs> Come give us the Carl. <laughs> this is good to see y'all. It's good to meet y'all. I know you, Lisa Gray, already, but it's good to see y'all. And thank you. And I look forward to, to, uh, to reading all your reviews. They are really, really good. And, and you have done a great job of putting me in that space. So thank you all for your time this morning. It's been Thanks great so having you. Having us. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Harry Jones. Thank you, Paul Bass. I'll be back tomorrow. And then that's it. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're <laughs>